Hey, what's up, guys? This is Rico from the Made in China podcast, Source Asia consulting company, and the Source Asia YouTube channel. So in this episode, uh, this was a really cool episode, a little bit different. You know, I'm trying to step up my game. Uh, I interviewed, I sat down with Harrison Bevins. He's been on the podcast a couple times, and uh, he's a good friend of mine. And, uh, you know, he was recently featured on Reply All, which is one of my favorite podcasts. So it was kind of kind of crazy. If you haven't, if you don't know what Reply All is, it's under Gimlet Media, the same guys that have brought you a startup podcast and a bunch of other podcasts underneath that that um, that company. And uh, Reply All is just basically a podcast about the Internet. So it's all like they explain memes, they explain, you know, Internet sensations, they explain... Um, recently they started going into a little bit more of internet-based businesses, so e-commerce businesses. They did an episode on drop shipping a couple months ago, which is how I got Harrison into Reply All, like in terms of listening to the podcast. And then recently they uh, contacted Harrison because he's very active on the Reddit, uh, Amazon FBA forums, forums, and they contacted him. One uh, Alex Goldman, who's one of the hosts, contacted him and said, "Hey, I'm hey, I'm doing a podcast on." Amazon FBA and you know how the climate of Amazon right now in terms of sellers and buyers and you know I saw you on Reddit and I want to interview you for the podcast so I was like you know he was like he was obviously geeked about that and you know that was cool man that was cool that he was on that podcast and it's cool that Reply All is is covering these subjects you know so it was I've been listening to Reply All since it started like two years ago there I've listened to 120 something episodes that they have so when Harrison said he was going to be on that I definitely was I was excited and then I listened to the episode and it was good and I thought that we should do our own little review on uh, the episode I mean they basically covered what Amazon FBA is the basics for people obviously the, the vast majority of the audience probably are not Amazon sellers and might not know that there's this thing called FBA that exists and then they went into some of the pitfalls in terms of people ordering a product, thinking that it's coming from an official store in the U.S. and then it being shipped from Europe and or China. And just like, you know, they went into all those details. And then, you know, um, Harrison's thing was a little bit more about, you know, the the stores getting hacked and things like that. Um, so anyways, it was just a really good episode. We're going to splice in some audio from the Reply All episode itself throughout the podcast and... Um, me and Harrison will just discuss it, and then we'll discuss maybe the, the the future climate of FBA. And before I let you guys listen to the episode, I just wanted to make a quick announcement. We are doing a China sourcing pre-accelerator, or Canton Fair pre-accelerator, as we call it. Um, it's myself, Michelini, um, from Global from Asia. We are and and Mark, who is an expert in e-commerce based in Guangzhou. And we're going to have people October 8th to the 15th flying into China, a select group of five to seven people working out of my office. I'm going to be teaching you everything I know, working with you side by side. You're going to have sourcing assistants. And then also we'll be visiting factories. We're going to organize masterminds. It's going to be all expenses paid apart from flights. So it's going to be exciting. I'm going to link it up in the show notes. Check it out. And I hope to see you in Guangzhou, October 8th to October 15th, 2018, China Pre-Accelerator. All right, cheers. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me.
Gimlet. This is Reply All. I'm Alex Goldman. And I'm PJ Vogt. And we're in the studio with Shruti Pitamanini. Hey, guys. Hi. Hello. Um, you have summoned me and PJ to the studio to ask us for your help or something? I have a question for you. Um, it has to do with Amazon. So I went to Amazon and um, I was in a huge rush that morning. Uh, I remembered that the dentist said something, Philip Sonicare. I saw one that seemed as if it was made by Philip Sonicare. It was about $70, and I just clicked, like, <laughs> buy one click. And I was like, okay, it's going to get here in two days. Two days later, nothing. Two weeks go by, three weeks go by. Finally, in April, a box arrives. It is not an Amazon box. It looks very beat up. And I open it, and there's this toothbrush that was so janky looking. Wait, I'm going to show you the photos. So it looks like this. Wait, let me see. Uh, there's a Philips Sonicare logo, which looks like an old logo. I looked in the back just to be like, where was this thing manufactured? And it was manufactured in the Netherlands, copyright date 2013. And <laughs> the thing that I was most offended by is that it came with an adapter for Europe because it's a European toothbrush that I now need an American adapter to use. <laughs> All right. Uh, so recently you got interviewed by was Alex Goldman? Yep, Alex Goldman from Reply All. Which is crazy because it's like it's one of my favorite podcasts, probably like I'll say top four yeah. podcasts. So it's weird. When I was listening to it, the episode it was weird to like just have Harrison <laughs> pop up, pop onto my favorite podcast. Yeah. But at the same time, me knowing uh, how they do their research and stuff like that, I actually wasn't surprised when I thought about it. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. They they talk about going to Reddit all the time to to interview people and yeah, get ideas and topics. Yeah, so that was uh, definitely a surprise because you you actually turned me on to this podcast about like three or four months ago and. I had been listening to it. I probably listened to like all of their episodes just because they're super interesting. And then out of the blue, I get a message on Reddit and it's like, hi, my name is Alex Goldman from the Reply All podcast. And we're doing a story on uh, Amazon. And I was just like, holy shit, this is, this is the dude that I listen to. Yeah. And um, so he just found me through, through Reddit through the Amazon subreddits, specifically fulfillment by Amazon. Um, I'm pretty active in there, like uh, with different comments and stuff like that. And I guess he had read one of my comments that was talking about uh, Chinese hijackers and wanted to get more information specifically about that situation. Yeah, so I, I mean, speaking of, was it three months ago, was it that episode about the dropshipping one? Or is it uh, something else? Because I know yeah, I know I've sent it. No, the dropshipping one was like like three months ago. It was maybe? About three months ago. Yeah, yeah. Because I noticed like um, I noticed that yeah, like recently they've been doing a few more episodes about uh, business related stuff. But I thought that was cool because they did the dropshipping one, and that time I was like, man, this is crazy that this under sort of underground business that we know about and we've known about for years is now being put in this to, into this mainstream like, yeah. podcast. And then I guess na a very natural next subject would be Amazon FBA, right? Like, yeah. yeah. That's, I mean, that was like the, 
that was the route that I took. I, w- I did drop shipping and then got into Amazon FBA. And um, yeah, we even talked about how most people don't know about drop shipping and even, even more so people don't know about Amazon FBA, even though it feels like it's such a common thing uh, with our group of friends and like our community, but that's just because we're, we're involved in it every day, but it's not like the everyday person really knows how that all works. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I thought that, I thought that they found that topic because of dropshipping. But then when I actually listened to the episode, it was because one of them, I think Truthy, I don't, I don't remember her last name. Yeah. She bought an electric toothbrush. Yeah. And <laughs> which it, she thought was being bought from the States, a recommendation from her dentist, the brand, and then ended up taking three weeks to arrive. And it was from some dropshipper. Some, from, yeah. From some company from Europe, the Netherlands. It came, it, yeah, it came from the, I think it came from the UK, but it was, it said made in the Netherlands. Huh. Yeah. yeah. So it wasn't the actual brand that she thought she was buying. No. Yeah. I, and it had the wrong like adapter and stuff like that. Like, yeah, <laughs> she bought in the U.S. to be used in the U.S. And they sent her. They, it had the wrong plug, and then they sent her a sort of like I think it's a Europe to U.K. adapter. <laughs> like, so it was just like a complete mess. She couldn't even use it. Like, yeah, it just didn't make sense at all. And then, and then she said that she left a bad review, right? Yeah. And the seller contacted her and said we'll refund you 50% of the money. Yeah. Like if you take the review down, then we'll, we'll send you the, the we'll refund you the, the second part of the, the money after you, after you take, yeah, after you, yeah. If you, they said, we'll give you a refund immediately. And then as soon as you send it back, and I was, as soon as you send it back and take off your negative review, we'll give you the rest of the money. So it's like super against Amazon terms <laughs> of service. Exactly. <laughs> so here's what's going on. Um, if a bunch of people on Amazon are selling like the same flashlight, Amazon will put them all under one listing. And so to be the best seller on that page, generally you have to have the lowest price. But the way that some people do that is by saying they have the lowest price, but then selling like a knockoff or a counterfeit of that product. So they effectively hijack the listing. And Harrison's only choice in this situation was to try and sell his real product at a price that was cheaper than what the counterfeiter was offering. So at that point, it just becomes like uh, like a price war. So like we, we were constantly just lowering our price like one cent below the other guy. Uh, How long this, did that go on? Oh man, I did this for weeks. Like it, it was just like a ridiculous game. There's there's these tools also. They're called like auto repricers, so that I don't have to sit there all day. Where basically I just set it up so that every time he lowers his price, mine automatically goes one cent below his. Ooh. Um, so. I would do this until he got to a price where it was like so low. I knew he wasn't making money. Uh, I think it was like, it was like $8. And then at that point I I bought out, I bought every single one of his units, shipped it to an address. And therefore, I mean, he's out of stock. That seems like a bad strategy. Yeah, because I feel like then that tong seller is like, oh, I got to get some more tongs. (laughs) (laughs) These things just sound like hotcakes. Did it work? (laughs) He regained control of his listing so it's funny it's like who knew that amazon was such an exciting place to work in i know yeah i mean it was just a it was interesting i like when we were we were talking about the episode afterwards and you said that uh it seems like they avoided talking more about the the hijackers situation which is what he interviewed you mostly about right yeah we we spoke a lot about my specific situation and um 
actually a lot about the Chinese. And I think when I say they tried to avoid certain topics, I think they were trying to avoid the fact that um, a lot of my slant was towards like how the Chinese are part of the result of a lot of these hijackers and, and a lot of the shady stuff that's happening. Um, so I can see why they didn't want to, you know, paint their entire podcast around like one nation. But um, in my experience, that is like the majority of, of people who are involved in these types of tactics. Yeah, I think I think that's part of it. But I also think it was runtime because their episodes are usually like 38 to 40 something yeah, minutes unless yeah. they do a part one, part two. Yeah, so, yeah I think they probably fo- they were like, OK, what do we want to focus on? Do we really want to? Go ham on the Chinese, <laughs> or do we focus on the consumer side? Which yeah, which made sense. And it was yeah, it was cool because they did focus on the consumer side, and we were just having that conversation when you mentioned uh, that you're going to be interviewed, and we were, and I think I was saying like, you know, Amazon. If this episode comes out and it creates some waves, and Amazon probably will hear about it, and they need to make some adjustments. And I think the conversation was like. If the episode's focused on on the seller side of things, then no one's really gonna care. But it was focused on the consumer side, so you know I'm pretty sure they they have to pay attention to that. Yeah, the, yeah. Looking at it that way, that's definitely the smarter way to present this story because they care about the, their customers more than the sellers, obviously. Yeah, I mean, man, it's just it's so messed up. Like, uh, like you were just you were talking about your situation and like you did everything that you could on your side in terms of reporting. And they yeah. didn't do anything. And then you work with somebody who comes from the consumer side and then they respond like in a couple of days. Yep. Yeah. So basically, yeah, I got both of two, two of the main products that I sell got hijacked, um, which I don't know if I explained it fully, but like they actually sent in the inventory to Amazon's warehouses so that it's prime eligible. Um, and it, if there's another seller competing with you and they also have prime eligible goods, then the only way you can win the buy box is by pricing lower than them. So it just turned out to be like this stupid price war, like literally penny by penny, like all day long. They'd match my price. I'd go underneath by penny just so I get make sure that like whoever buys the product on my listing, they're getting my product instead of this other seller who is not selling the same thing. Um, and so I did a test buy, which is where I just buy the products, you know, take pictures of it in the mail um, and you know, show differences of like the packaging and how it's not what's on the listing. You send all this stuff in to Amazon and they're supposed to, you know, respond and take action against the sellers because it's against their policy to do that. Even if you don't have a trademark, like you, you can't sell something that's, that doesn't match the listing. Um, and I waited for about like three weeks and nothing happened. So I ended up finding a contact who basically, um, I guess he has experience getting accounts shut down for this specific type of thing. And he'll, he'll buy basically buy the product from various buyer accounts across the US and then like we'll file a counterfeit complaint. And that's what he did. And then like within 48 hours, both of them were shut down. So that worked. I wish I had found that guy faster. Um, But yeah, man, it's a mess. Like I probably lost 
like a grand or more in profits through this ordeal. Yeah. So, and like, I'm not a huge seller compared to some, what other guys are doing. Didn't you say you emailed them and then they were like, uh, you know, what did they, what did they say? They said that, oh, you know, we, we're not gonna, we're yeah. not gonna ship any more products. Let's, let's just, let us just sell our. Yeah. So, okay. So one guy, one hijacker just said, um, like, hi, thank you for your message. You can contact Amazon. Um, so like they were just, they just ignored me completely. Um, and that just pissed me off even more. <laughs> oh, it's like, I'm going to shut you, do, did you, shut do you the, down, you bastard. Did you do the fake cease and desist situation? Oh yeah, yeah, I did. I mean, every, every other way that you could do it. Um, and then the other guy, I sent one in English and Chinese and they responded in Chinese. So it's like, okay, I know they're Chinese. Um, and they, I basically, I used Google translate and the message was basically like, we, uh, we only sent in like 70 units. So please just, uh, let us sell these and we'll go. And, uh, like we are both in this business. So how <laughs> hopefully we can understand each other. We're just a company like trying to make a quick, a quick buck. Yeah. And, uh, that also pissed me off a lot because I'm just like, this isn't just like a quick, quick buck type of business. And like, I've spent the last year literally building up this product um, to where it's selling successfully. And then you have some guy, some jackass come in there and like, just take over your listing. And, um, there, and there's nothing you can do other than like these stupid price war tactics that I had to resort to. I mean, what's the benefit? Like, I don't, I still don't understand why, um, I understand why, okay, if you have multiple products that are the same, Amazon would want to make it easier for consumers to find the the cheapest one because that's what they do. But why allow somebody else to change your pictures on your your listing and stuff like that? Like why it doesn't? Oh uh, yeah, so I think you're you're referring to the your one of your clients that you showed yeah. me. Um, yeah, yeah. Maybe just explain what what that means. Well, I mean, basically, okay. So I have a client. I'm obviously not going to say his name or his product, but. Um, he's been pretty successful with his, his products and recently um, a Chinese seller uh, started selling a similar product but lower quality, all that stuff. And because they're both listed under the same product, they changed his pictures <laughs> on his listing yeah. from his professional product photos to like pictures of anonymous, uh, you know, the anonymous mask, the Guy Fox mask. So I was like, it, to me, I was like, first of all, I, I'd never seen that happen before. So I was, I was just asking, how did they do that? And he said, for some reason, when, when, you know, when Amazon deems this to be the same product, even though technically it's not the same seller, they allow them to change the picture. Yeah. So basically, if you don't have, um, the way that it works is like, when you create your listing, um, it's no longer owned by you. It's owned by Amazon. Okay. And basically, if you don't have a trademark or you're not brand registered, uh, you have to show Amazon that you are the manufacturer of that product. Like you, you have, you're the one that makes this product. You're the owner of this, this page. So every time that I have to make like a change to my title, they'll, they'll be like, uh, can you send us the, uh, the manufacturer's website and like all this stuff that just basically is proof that like I created this, yeah. which I think is retarded. Cause it's like, if you, you, they must have a record that I created that listing and yeah. there is somewhere in their system. But that's, that's exactly what we were talking about before is right. Like, like when you, uh, that on Tuesday, but like when you are sending in your products for the first time, they make you fill in all this information, right? 
and uh, then they know. Yeah, like if you create the listing from yeah. scratch and like you're the one that put in this brand and like it's yours, yeah. Um, yeah, they must have a record of that. So I don't know why they allow some sellers to basically, what, what that hijacker must have done is like provided Amazon with some type of proof that mm-hmm. like they're the ones who own this product and then Amazon gave them enough control over the listing to yeah. to the point where they they could change yeah. details and there's them. a there's a hack in uh it, I don't know the full details of it but it's basically like in vendor express which is like just another uh part of Amazon for sellers and uh you can you can take certain control over the listing um if you provide the right information to Amazon and that's what I think these guys did um so yeah, there's ways that they can do this, and I don't know why Amazon allows that, but uh, that's happening. It's pretty common, actually. Not common, but it happens more than we'd like to think. Does that have anything to do with uh, what we were talking about before, where it's like this concept of like if I buy an iPhone, whatever, and then I want to resell it, you know, uh, I can put it up on 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 Amazon as an iPhone, Apple product, official Apple product, but. Technically, I'm not the manufacturer. Do you think that you think that's part of the reason why they allow this? Is like potentially uh, there's going to be a thousand people selling iPhones. Yeah, no, that's that is why. Um, I because I've asked them like, I was like, you guys must get like thousands or hundreds of thousands of complaints and messages every day from sellers who are dealing with something like this. Because like I know personally, you know, I've sat there like all day just like sending them messages about this type of issue, and um, they're like. I'm like, I don't know why you guys allow this. And they're like, well, we're, we're an open marketplace. And um, that's like the whole purpose of our website. So they allow this because you do have like, you know, everyday people like mom and pops who, who maybe buy uh, like a Fisher Price uh, baby toy at Walmart. What people call retail arbitrage. Yeah, and they want to sell it on Amazon. And they're legally allowed to do that um, because it's the same brand, Mm -hmm. but it's complicated when you have private label brands where it's like people like most FBA sellers who just create brands out of thin air. um, And since they're not well known, like maybe you don't have a trademark yet, it just becomes a lot more murky and people take advantage of that. I think it's just, to be honest, I mean... There's a, there's a couple of things like we were talking about before is that they have expanded way faster than they could have possibly dreamt of. Yeah. And then the second thing is they just don't, it's, they're focused on being a tech company. So they don't have a lot of actual people yeah, working on this. Yeah. It's algorithms and they're not perfect. Obviously they're learning, <clears> but it's a mess. Um, to me, that just sounds like it's, it's like it, the solution would be a verification process which they seem to have, but it seems like they're not really, maybe it doesn't work. For products? Yeah. Like, I mean, how com- how difficult would it be if you buy something, like an iPhone or whatever, or some Fisher-Price toy from, from you know, Target, and you want to resell it, like, they could ask you to, you know, provide some documentation to prove Right, that. and they do, actually. Um, so that, that's that's the thing, is like, they, it's not, it's not a fair playing field for brands. Um, Fisher Price. If you are reselling Fisher Price, you have you do have to provide uh, invoice, especially if but it's like private a, label. You don't like if I'm copying if I'm selling somebody else's private label product. I don't have to provide. If that you're sale. not, if you're not, if the seller is not brand gated, yeah. um, then you don't. Yeah, then you don't. So that's but that's also the thing is like there's no getting brand gated is like 
there's no formal process to do that. Yeah. Um, it's like sometimes you get lucky and you, you're granted uh, brand gating, but uh, for a lot of people, it's like the best you can do is just get a trademark because then you have like legal grounds to kick them off. Mm-hmm. Or um, I guess a new program they're coming out with is called this transparency program, which is basically a special label that will distinguish your product from everybody else's, but it's like, it's in the very early stages. I'm not sure how, how you get access to it either. I think you have to be invited. So it would be like them saying that you're the, the person who created the original listing or whatever, like how, what would that even yeah, be? Yeah. yeah. Essentially, uh, that that's how it works. I guess it's instead of a barcode, it's like this special label that is only used at the fulfillment centers, it scans it and knows that it's like attached to your name, your brand, your listing. Um, and then like if someone else tries to send in stuff and it doesn't have those labels, like they'll, like they'll send you the labels, your manufacturer puts these labels on. And so like they know it, that it belongs to you. And then if some other copycat tries to send in their products, it doesn't have that exact like barcode or label. Then it won't work. Does that make sense? Yeah, I could see a situation where the hijackers then buy your product and then just copy your your label. Or is yeah, there, I, my um, guess is that it's like they put a lot of effort into making this like one of those things that's not copyable. Yeah, I don't know because it's not like a barcode. It. Yeah, because um, what you just said happens all the time. They like they will buy your product and then just copy it, copy the barcode and everything, mm-hmm. um, and that happens. But I think these are special barcodes that like kind of like a DNA, you know what I mean? Yep. Like there's only one of them and they can't be replicated. Are you coming to the Kenta Fair? Or are you thinking about coming to the Kenta Fair? Well, are you? Well, if you are, I'm getting married and oh, no, I'm joking. Yeah, I think that if you're coming to the Kenta Fair or if you're coming to China around the Kenta Fair time, a big mistake that people make is they think that they could just go to the fair and pick out the suppliers and then, you know, within a couple of days and figure it out and leave. And it's not, yes, the fair is a great way to find suppliers. And I've done a video on this explaining more in depth, but you want to be doing research before you come down to China, because when you're here, you want to already have sort of established relationships and then you should be in the stage of like setting up things and growing that relationship with your supplier so by the end of your trip you actually are ready to place an order and another thing is like if you do everything online you you know there's going to be certain steps that you miss and you're not going to understand the full entirety of the process and what are the right things that you have to have in place so we are launching a china canton fair pre-accelerator program it's going to be a seven-day program from october 8th to the 15th and that is a week before the Canton Fair. It's going to be all expenses paid apart from flights. And we've got a great team. It's myself. I'm going to have a bunch of sourcing assistants, which will be Chinese people that speak Cantonese, Mandarin, English. We've got Michael Michelini from Global From Asia, who organizes a ton of amazing events, is one of the most connected people I know in China. Then we've got Mark, who is a huge e-commerce guy who's just like underground. He doesn't like to put his name out there, but super experienced. And the idea is I want to show you what I do. I want to take you from you having chosen your product, you sourcing it, setting it up the right way, as in the right communication with suppliers, 
assessing them. I show you how to assess them. I'm going to be working one-on-one -on -one with everybody that comes into the program. That's why everybody's working out of my office for that week. And then also even going to your specific factories and me showing you how I assess suppliers. By the end of that program, you should have sourced set up your order or be ready to set up your order by the end of that program and the difference is a lot of other programs where they do these china trips like you just come to china and then you go to the fair and you know you just kind of walk around and maybe you find some suppliers but you don't leave with any tangible knowledge on how to source suppliers so like with my thing i want to make sure that by the end of the program you don't need me even if you choose to work with me you don't need me because you know everything that is the, what is the appropriate way to set up an order and what are you supposed to do in terms of contracts sourcing you know assessing uh communication everything under the sun anyways like i said canter fair pre-accelerator we have a description sourcewineasia.com slash made in china check it out and uh get in contact oh yeah maybe each each barcode will have some sort of unique or whatever it is yeah like a pattern. some sort of unique I, pattern I, yeah which, we, which i saw man i saw a photo of one and like yeah they it's like it's not like a normal barcode yeah it looks completely different so, so it'll, I, it'll be still linked to the product but then have some unique it's just like a unique identifier okay. yeah yeah that would make sense so i think it'll be a good move. which i think is the right move i mean if if they can clean up their uh this this mess then i think they'll get so, back on track so overall, um, do you think what, besides the hijacker stuff, do you think that they did a good job with the episode? Like sort of explaining to, if you were a person who'd never heard about FBA. And you're uh, listening to yeah, I think, I think for like the everyday person, it, it was pretty, it made sense and was easy to understand. I talked to some other people who, who aren't involved in FBA who listened to it and they thought it was like a really interesting interview. So uh, I think they did, I think they did pretty good. And the, the other people that they interviewed was, was interesting. Like the guy who, uh, used to work for that company and their only goal was to get, uh, those, um, dryer balls or something. Yeah. Yeah. Get those ranked. Like yes. you, they gave like what people do as sellers to, to make this, this work. And to get reviews and stuff like yeah. that, where they were sending products to random, random locations. <laughs> yeah, they covered like all the bases. Yeah. 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 I feel like they should have done a part one, part two. Talk about the darker side a little bit. Man, more. they could have, I was surprised when I saw it come out, it was only like 35 minutes. I was like, what? This could have easily been an hour. Cause the drop shipping one was, I think the drop shipping one, they went more, way more in depth with that. But I think, I feel like with the Amazon FBA thing, they, um, I feel like the the perception of FBA is, is is obviously more. It's looked at as a more acceptable way of selling reselling products, whereas yeah. drop shipping was kind of like they're just trying to Shadier. cheat people and you know just there's no quality quality control involved yeah. or brand. Right. You know what I mean? It was like so. I think they really went deep with the drop shipping thing, whereas with the FBA, it was a little bit of a let's focus on the consumer side of things, um, maybe less so on the. The black black hat tactics. Yeah, but it's e I mean it's equally as important. Yeah, is, yeah, absolutely. Probably a bigger market. Yeah, well, I think at the at the end of the day, it's about bringing a new audience into it. So, like, whoever decided, maybe let's say two million people listen to that episode, maybe a hundred thousand decide to do more research afterwards. Yeah, or or you know whatever percentage of people who listen to the episode have had that situation where they bought a product and then it 
showed up and it was three weeks later and it wasn't Amazon packaging. And then they're like, oh, that's what happened. And now they, you know, they have recourse, like they can kind of figure out what happened. Yeah. And spread the word. It's funny. My mom just bought it. She bought something on Amazon and uh, she said it took like three weeks. And I was like, oh, you probably <laughs> bought a hijacker's product. Yeah. Like literally, because that's the thing is like most people don't even know the seller who they're buying it from. They just see the photo yeah, and they just click add the cart. But if you pay attention, it will say available from these sellers. Some, you know, some of them have like 10 different sellers. Only one of them is like the real manufacturer. The other guys are either selling used, used stuff, which you're okay to do if it's the same product, but it's used. How, how is it? How can you tell? I, I guess it will show the shipping time, right? That's probably one. It should, should show an estimate that it's going to take like two to three weeks. Or yeah, right. it should show that. And then, and then. But what these guys will do is they'll say, it will say shipping from Florida. Yeah. And it's not shipping from Florida. <laughs> it's shipping from China. But I'm just thinking if I was a buy, if I was a buyer, like what would be an easy way to tell that I'm not buying directly from the, from the manufacturer? Um, I would say first and foremost, go, go with prime, like go with, uh, whatever is prime eligible is probably a good bet. Um, and then also like if the price seems too cheap, if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, it's, that's the thing. It's tough. It's like, you can't totally verify as a consumer. That should be up to, that should be Amazon's job. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, open marketplace. Because I was thinking about myself. I was like, recently I wanted to buy something because I got an Amazon coupon, and then um, I'm trying to buy like a switchboard, or whatever, for the podcast, so I can have like four or five microphones at the same time. And I was doing the research, and the only reason why I started to notice this was because some of them would ship to China and some of them wouldn't. And then the price discrepancy. But I'm always like this when I when I want to buy something, I end up doing ten hours of research on it. But I saw the prices, like some of it was like fucking $500. I was like a hundred, but it's the same product. And I was like looking at, I was going into their stores and just like, I was like, okay, clearly some of these guys are either not selling the same thing or, you know, they, they, it's, they're reselling it, but like you can't trust the quality. Like it was just a lot of shady stuff. Yeah. One thing I wanted to say is uh, like, how can you tell? I forgot to mention, go look at the seller feedback because the reviews only tell you how the reviews on the product, but if you actually click on the seller who's selling the particular item and you can look at their seller feedback, yeah. and like, I can't tell you how many times I go into a seller's feedback and it will say like counterfeit product, fake, the seller is junk, fake. Yeah. But it's like, that's not super visible on the actual page. You have to like click and kind of dig deep to get in there, but that would help for sure. Yeah, and even if the, even with the reviews, a lot of times, like it's so easy to tell that the reviews are fake. You know? yeah. Like, yeah. I think a lot of people see like, Oh, you know, four star, five star reviews and there's like a hundred of them or 200. It must be okay. But when you actually read them, it's like maybe five of them are legit. And then, yeah. It's a lot of broken English. Yeah, <laughs> lots of generic compliments to the product. You know? yep. like, I always try to, I always, when I read reviews, I'm always trying to see, you know, people giving very, very specific feedback about how they used it you know what was the purpose if it, right. especially something like electronics is like i know exactly what i'm using it for and i know that the other people that buy this are going to be using it for the same thing so if they don't talk about how they're using it it's like this yes. it, yeah, yeah, it has to be a fake review yeah know? there's more than than i think amazon likes to admit yeah it's interesting what do you 
I guess, are you, I mean, I think I already know your answer, but like, are you optimistic about Amazon making changes to? to um, man, I, it seems like in the last year, there's been a lot of uh, media attention around them, yep. uh, specifically about these issues. So I, I think they're, they're, they're working on stuff to like figure it out. But like you said, they, they blew up so fast. They grew so fast that, um, it's just one of those things like, I don't know if a big company that size will ever be able to tackle all of those issues. So I don't know, man. I, I think if, if they can crack down on this, on some of the shady stuff from like foreign sellers that, cause there's no retribution for them. Like they can't be sued. Nothing can happen to them. It's just not, it's not a truly an equal playing ground. So unless they crack down on, on some of these tactics that these guys are doing, um, then I'm not super optimistic about it. But as a seller, I'm still going to do the things that I need to do just to protect my business, like getting a trademark, getting brand registered, trying to get brand gated, um, and diversifying, selling on different platforms, selling on my own website. And that's the best, that's the only thing you can do as a seller, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I mean I've been saying it for a long time. It's just like all roads lead to sort of creating your own brands and, and being independent and just using it as a channel yep. rather than being um, sort of that being the only thing that, that you're doing. Yeah. All right. Um, is there anything else? No, I think that was it. That's everything. All right, cool. Do you want to, you know, do you want to plug anything? Check out my, uh, my blog, harrisonbevins.com, uh, H-A-R-R-I-S-O-N-B-E-V-I-N-S. Uh, I write about Amazon stuff and living in China, traveling, kind of whatever I'm feeling at the time. Um, then you can find my YouTube channel and all my other goodies linked in there. And yeah, for sure, we'll link up uh, Harrison's blog and YouTube channel in the show notes and also the episode from the Reply All. Uh, of course, if you're going to reach out to me, that's podcast at sourcewayinasia.com. Um, the website where all the podcasts are hosted sourcefindasia.com slash made in China and check out our YouTube channel as well so it's first find Asia one word on YouTube cheers this really sucks because Amazon is just like this thing that makes all the cogs in my life like just go smoother it's so weird because i've always heard amazon i mean isn't their whole thing that they're the everything store yes that sucks i know um i mean it just feels like this magic store that you guys thought it was is definitely not what it is today <laughs>